truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin are here with me as well. If you'd like to join us too, it's 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can give it a shot by trying to like us on Facebook, but uh, you know, no guarantees. In fact, we, we can almost guarantee that it, it won't actually register but give it a shot nonetheless why not you're bored you can also follow us on twitter at steve day show you are bored that's that's why you're here in fact we've got a jam-packed thursday for you coming up at the bottom of the hour three non-political questions courtesy of our uh, illustrious producer aaron Uh, also next hour you guys have been requesting it we haven't done it in a while but a full hour of theology thursday next hour and we're gonna we're gonna do something we probably should have done this a long time ago um, and maybe we've done it in the past and I just don't remember, but, um, we use this term orthodoxy a lot. What is, what is, what does it mean? How would we define it? Right. And so we're going to define mere orthodoxy. What, what is, what is the general accepted and, and practiced fundamentals of a Christian worldview for the last 2000 years that, that pretty much everybody, even while killing themselves on the battlefield, over other differences, pretty much everybody that claimed the name of Christ believed. We're going to go through those, and there's going to be 10 of them. I didn't intend for that, actually. I wasn't like trying to mimic like a New Testament Ten Commandments kind of a thing. It just so that, working uh, out like that. Mount yeah. Des Moines, you, you didn't come from, down from Mount Des Moines and, and uh, I, come I up did with not. These, yeah. I did not. I had no stone tablets. I think I just emailed them actually to you guys last night. So we're going to go over those and uh, discuss those. And, and what what is the difference between um, a, a Christian with a biblical worldview and a Christian? If you know, if you have any friends or family members that you're watching slide into the progressive understanding of belief and religion, particularly where Christianity is concerned, I'm going to start off by by pointing out. There's a premise argument here, right? Because, you know, I was listening to a radio show this morning when I was at the gym uh, that was on the air in Ann Arbor. And um, the guest, they have this one guest on there every week that hosts a very popular Michigan uh, website and one that may be the most popular one. And I love him. Like, I, I agree with him, like, almost every week. And he, like, he, he has, like, no tolerance for BS at all. If you try giving him some kind of, you know, pro team spin after a loss, he just crushes it. Like, and then he'll like go to the top rope, drop an elbow. And then while the body is writhing, he'll erect a steel cage so that he can jump off the top of that Jimmy Superfly Snuka style and, and just bury you into the mat. I love it. I love it. He's also basically like a communist. And yet our personas and the way we approach this in this arena could not be more similar. So why are we so different? Well, because when we get outside of this arena, there's a premise him and I are start each starting the way we view the world from. And the premise he is starting from is 180 degrees different than mine. And so if you've got, 
if you've got friends or family members or people in your church or church leaders um, that that you are watching, you know, kind of slide into the progressive view of things, I, I will show you what the premise is that they have fallen for. And because what you're going to note when we go through these 10 points that define that for the sake of our show, we're not claiming to be theologians. We're, we're just, we're, we're, we're informed layman here, but, but we think that you guys should know if, you, if we're going to say this is the basis of how we do our program, what is the actual basis, right? We should define that, right? Sure. Sure. Okay. So we're going to do that as best we can. Doesn't mean it's the best definition out there or the most precise and you won't find better ones, but it's the one we operate. It's our, it's our, it's our owner's manual for this program here. And what you're going to see is we're going to start with a premise that the progressive worldview does not. And therefore, when you have a believer who, who comes to this crossroads, he's got to make a choice, which of these two paths. So we'll lay that out because that's also what you're encountering with people like Pete Buttigieg and others. Why can they claim Christ with such conviction and yet articulate things that are dramatically different? from what you are used to hearing from traditional Christianity, whether you're a Christian or not. We're going to answer those questions for you coming up in the next hour of the program. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by another Democrat debate. We'll start with Joe Biden. Well, look, the next president of the United States can have to do do two things. Defeat Donald Trump. That's number one. And number two, going to have to and make be, be able to I uh, you know I'm, I'm part of that that Obama coalition I come out of the black community in terms of my support if you notice I have more people supporting me in the black community that announced for me because they know me they know who I am three former chairs of the black caucus the only african-american woman that ever been elected to the United States Senate a whole range of people no, my point no, is not true. true the other that's one is true. here <laughs> Elizabeth Warren says abort all the babies. I believe that abortion rights are human rights. I believe that they are also economic rights. And protecting the right of a woman to be able to make decisions about her own body is fundamentally what we do and what we stand for as a Democratic Party. Understand this. When someone makes abortion illegal in America, rich women will still get abortions. It's just going to fall hard on poor women. It's going to fall hard on girls, women who don't even know that they're pregnant because they have been molested by an uncle. I want to be in America where everybody has a chance. Bernie Sanders' doomsday clock is speeding up. Now, I disagree with the thrust of the original question. Because your question has said, what are we going to do in decades? We don't have decades. But the scientists are telling us we don't get our act together within the next eight or nine years. We're talking about cities all over the world, major cities going underwater. The Baywatch candidate rips her own party. That our Democratic Party, unfortunately, is not the party that is of, by, and for the people. Kamala Harris says, what terrorists? Donald Trump is the greatest threat to the national security of our nation at this moment. A CNN panel after the debate lamented Pete Buttigieg. This is the big question about his candidacy. He's now ahead in a poll in Iowa, ahead in a poll in New Hampshire. And the question is, what happens when he turns the corner to a state like South Carolina, where 60 percent of the vote is African-American? And uh, it's incomprehensible to me why he can't. I mean, listen, 
he's in his mid 30s. He's not, you know, uh, somebody from a different generation. He's in the most diverse generation in the history of America and in, in the most diverse country in the world. In, in and a very diverse city, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like 40% if you add African-Americans and Latinos, uh, and there seems to be a kind of distance uh, that he has uh, between you know himself and that community. It's, it's very puzzling. Moving on, and another headache for the Bidens. A DNA test in a court case involving Hunter Biden shows that he fathered the child of an Arkansas woman while he was dating his deceased brother's widow. There was another round of public impeachment hearings yesterday when President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani's name, was brought up on several occasions. As I testified previously, Mr. Giuliani's requests were a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit for President Zelensky. Mr. Giuliani demanded that Ukraine make a public statement announcing the investigations of the 2016 election DNC server and Burisma. Mr. Giuliani was expressing the desires of the President of the United States, and we knew these investigations were important to the President. Giuliani responded to Glenn Beck on Blaze TV. Did you ever indicate to Volker, Taylor, uh, Sondland, uh, or anyone else that the aid was conditional? I never actually discussed the aid with them, Glenn. Okay. Uh, the, the reality is that whole issue of military aid didn't come up until after I had finished the assignment they gave me. In other news, a new Marquette poll of the battleground state of Wisconsin shows Donald Trump leading matchups with Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg. Planned Parenthood tweets, abortion is moral. It is important. It is health care. Learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? ¿Qué quieres con nosotros, hijo de Dios? Has venido a torturarnos antes de la hora señalada. Checking in on college campuses, Cal State Chico seems like a really chill place. And finally, a new way to relax. Hi everybody, it's Paul. You know, a lot of people ask me, uh, after a long day of voiceover or writing or doing all those creative things that I do, um, how do I relax? Well, like many other Americans, uh, I come home and I, I pet my dog. You see, petting your dog is one of the most relaxing things you can possibly do. It releases a hormone called oxytocin, which reduces stress. Also, it lowers your heart rate and it lowers your blood pressure. Plus, people who pet their dogs are five times more likely to live longer than people who just have cats. Plus, the dogs like it so much, and it's a nice bonding experience. And that's what happened while we were away. Holy cow. That video is is exactly what voting Republican is like. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. That's perfect. I mean, you get those guys in off, you bring them into your home, right? And then you come home from a long day at work, you're like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to figure, you know, find out, you know, and, and, and you're going to like me because I put you there. And then, you know, on the stuff that you ultimately care about, they just keep biting the hand that feeds them. That is an absolute metaphor for voting Republican. Let's get to the, uh, the montage. So Todd, you and I were talking about this before the show. 
And I, I told you I was going to tweet this out last night. And I decided not to because I wanted to see a little bit more, a little bit more data before. But I'm asking ye shall receive. I literally just got this extra piece of, of, of data just while Aaron's montage was, was, was going. Let's go to the Marquette University poll out of Wisconsin to start things off, which has Trump beating all these Democrats now head to head. Now, this is a, this is a, a massive swing just since the last time they pulled this a few months ago, correct? They polled in August and September, and since August, at least with Biden in particular, that's the only one I remember off the top of my head, it's a 12-point swing mm-hmm. in less than three months. Well, Emerson just put out some national head-to-head polling just in the last five minutes. And what it shows is is Donald Trump beating or tied with every Democrat candidate other than Bernie Sanders, whom he trails by one point. So if you look at the polling on impeachment, and the ultimate poll, by the way, is the television ratings. The viewership of this has gone down every day since day one. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate poll, right? I mean, ultimate, it, it's a little, it's, it's similar to people can tell you whether they're okay if you woke their favorite characters in a movie franchise. And when the pollster calls, I don't want to seem like a terrible person. Like, sure, I'm totally okay if it's a vegan, pansexual, lizard, Muslim person that's the next Marvel superhero, okay? But then when the movie comes out, that's when you're going to really find out what they think. Are they, are they willing to put down their hard-earned shekels for that and, 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 bring, and, and bring the chitlins, right? That's, that's the real poll, ultimately. Okay, and the ultimate poll here on these on on this impeachment thing is that just it's already losing the public's interest. The ratings have slid for all the networks every day uh, since day one. So this isn't building tension; it's 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 losing the people's attention is what's happening. That's the that's so I could show you other data points, but that's really the only poll that you really need, really. And you'll remember I said last month. When these polls came out about majorities of Americans want Trump impeached and removed from office, and particularly the the Fox poll was the first one that had this, and then other polls remember had this conversation. Yes. And and I said on this show that I thought that that those polls are just really people. How many people would like would like Donald Trump to just go away as president? That's really what we're measuring here. You, that that I don't care what the charge is. I don't care what your evidence is. I don't care if you have any. You, you, because again, the majority of Americans believe that there was an acceptable amount of corruption in politics, an acceptable amount of, of bias in media, and an, an, an acceptable amount of division amongst their peer groups on the issues until Trump came along and, and blue made all of this radioactive so we can't talk to each other anymore. That's what the majority of Americans believe this. And, and so I said at the time, those polls are not about impeaching Donald Trump. They're just about, I just don't, I want him gone. They just, what can you do to make it go away? He can be gone, cool. All right. And the difference is you're seeing that that's true now. Because here's the thing. In, in 2010 and 2014, the, the Republicans destroyed the Democratic Party in those midterm elections as voters reacted to a, an Obama presidency that was more liberal than they were promised when they voted for hope and change in 2008. And he's hanging out with Rick Warren. And he's talking about he's for traditional marriage, right? Right. And you can, if you like your current doctor and your current plan, you can keep it, right? Okay. And... 
but but in 2012 when they have to when it, when now it's it's not just an up or down vote on you but now you're i have to i have to accept the the alternative as a standalone and Mitt Romney represents every person that's ever laid me off or fired me from a job suddenly the 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 calculus changes about how much I'm annoyed and offended by how liberal Barack Obama has become when you're telling me this, the cost of, of me acting on, on my angst is a flip-flopper presidency with another rich white guy that I don't like. And I, it's pretty obvious doesn't like me, right? Yes. So the calculus changes. We, I think we saw this last year in the midterm elections where those house swing districts that were often taking place in suburbs and exurbs, like where the three of us live, largely swung to Democrats because people could just say, I'm just, I'm beyond frustrated. You know, similar to how Barack Obama turned out to be more liberal than he told me he was going to be. Donald Trump turned out to be far more immature than he promised me. He was never, that he would, he, he didn't grow in the office like I had hoped. And now it's just it's just daily dumb, and I want it to end. And somebody go there and 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 put a check in. You know, it's it's like a referendum vote almost, an approval vote. But a presidential election is different because now the other side has to put forth its alternative as well. And if you want to get off, if you want to get off the Trump train, you don't like the the jagged road here. You don't like the topsy turvy road we're on here. There's a toll you have to pay. And, and the toll you have to pay is President Warren, President Buttigieg, President Sanders, President Biden. And that changes the math now. Now, similar to how this math changed in the Obama era, now this math changes and you're like, I'd really like to be rid of that, uh, that goofy bastard, but... You're telling me that the cost of this is Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, cheering a mom, mutilating her kid. That's the the cost of this. Uh, well, maybe I'm not as annoyed as I thought I was. Let me let me think about that for a second now. And that's what's happening with this impeachment. When it was just, hey, you mean we can just we can get rid of this guy and this can end and I can go back to not caring what he tweets every day. I'm in, I'm so in on this, but now that impeachment is its own entity, it's not just as a proxy for uh, my, my personal feelings on, on Donald Trump as president of the United States. But now that I have to consider your proposition as its own standalone entity now, so we're going to get rid of a president because he wanted to find out if Joe, if, 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 if some corrupt politicians were robbing the American people in a country that I don't want to be giving my damn money to anyway. That's, that's what we're going to do here. Really? I mean, I, I, I don't, I, 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 this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. This does. And so the more I, the, the more that I have, I, that when the, the people see impeachment as its own thing and not as a proxy for their problems with a Trump presidency, the worse this impeachment is doing. And that's exactly what's happening in these polls right now. The, we're into the fall now. Far more people are paying attention than we're paying attention to these, to what was going on in this primary in April and May. And June, when these debates began, 
We're 70 days away from the Iowa caucuses. More and more people are paying attention. They're going to get together with their family members over Thanksgiving. These topics are going to come up. And all of a sudden, when, when, I, when, when, I, when new housing starts are higher in October than, than even the Trump administration was estimating, all of a sudden, this idea that I want to go back to, um, I, I, you know, I, I want to turn this into the Bolshevik revolution because Orange Man Bad tweets stuff I don't like, that's not as easy of a choice to make. And I think you're watching that play, dynamic play out here on this impeachment talk. Yeah, the, these people suddenly are transported back. You you want to escape. No, it wasn't pleasant the first time, Trump versus Hillary. And you, you hope for something better along the way. And you do what you can in your own mind to get away from that. But instantly, you're describing a situation where in many they are transported right back to where they were yes. with Trump yeah. the very first time. Like, yep. kid, uh, really? Again? Yes. Yes. This is, you guys, this was the best you could offer me. This thing would, th- this performance by Joe Biden last night, it's the most embarrassing moment that I, I think a, a, a presidential candidate or, or a national candidate has had since Lloyd Benson looked at Dan Quayle and said, uh, Senator, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. You're no Jack Kennedy. And you watch the blood drain from Dan Quayle's face in real time. All right. Um, that was 30 years ago. The difference is this was all self-induced. This last night to me for Biden, far more damaging than what Kamala Harris, when she knifed him, when Cory Booker, this, because this is, this is, this is, you just realized the old man, the old man can't do this. That it sounded great. He was coming out of retirement. You know, he's going to start a business, right? It sounded great. The opening elevator pitch he gave you, the opening speech he gave you, you thought, you know what? I think maybe it'd be good for him. And, you know, he was good at this once and maybe it'd be good for us as a family if he did this, you know? And then then after he's been laying, after, you know, it's now time for the old man to invest your future inheritance in his ability to do this. And and you're looking at your kids like, I don't want to saddle them with all that student loan. So I, I, I can't gamble, gamble my kids' future student loan debt on your ability to pull this off. Because when you and I sit down and go over the business plan, you can't give me a cogent thought. You don't remember what the business plan was last week. Somebody, this needs to stop. It's embarrassing for this country. It's embarrassing for this family. This just, he, this needs to stop. I, I, I'm serious. This is not a troll. I even said to our, to our team here before we went on the air, we're not talking about the Hunter Biden thing. It's news. We should mention in the montage. We're not breaking it down. You know, that, it, that's terrible what's happening in that family. And uh, no, we're not, we're not doing that here. And that's, and the same motivation I have for why we're not doing that here is the same motivation I have for saying, stop this. It's truly embarrassing for him and for the nation. Make it stop. He's mentally not with this. He cannot 
physically do this. And it doesn't mean he's an awful human being. It means he's 80 year, he's a typical 80 year old man. He cannot do this, Todd. And they just need to stop this now. And if you're on his campaign drawing a paycheck from this, shame on you. Shame on you for taking advantage of an old man like this. Well, the reason they you're you're absolutely right, but the reason they can't do that, the reason Barack Obama hasn't already come over and put his arm around his shoulder is because it, there's an irony here and that Joe's continued presence there is an indictment of the entire field, not just him. I mean, they they don't know where to go next. They have no confidence in anybody. Well, we so so last night was Pete Buttig I said Buttigieg last time, Buttigieg. Make sure I rotate because I still don't know what it is. So last night was Pete Buttigieg's attempt, right? He's the new front runner leading in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire now. And there you see, uh, since it's a CNN panel, most of you don't know who those people are. Uh, but the three people that were featured in the clip that Aaron had in his montage, one of them is, is the Karl Rove of the Barack Obama political operation. He ran the show. All right, that's the white guy. The other one is Van Jones, noted communist once outed by Glenn Beck as being so on Fox News, who, of course, spoke at CPAC before I did. And, and then the third woman um, is, a, is, is a reporter at the Washington Post, someone that I have spoken with and interviewed with numerous times over the years. That's the black woman that's on that panel. And what you're watching there is what we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. Is this is going to be the real show, is how are they going to tackle the elephant in the room and, and the disapproving nod and, and Nia is sitting there. Well, it's just puzzling. I can't really come up with a reason why that he doesn't reach black voters at all. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure here. Um, you know, I can't it's a mystery. Wrapped inside it, it, yes. Uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a mind scrambla is what it is. All right. They are beginning to confront the reality of that situation and and they all know by the way that's a lie that oh, whole yes, clip you is. saw is a lie yeah. they all know the answer all right they just they've lived in an environment where they didn't have to be honest about this for years and now suddenly they're 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 coming to grips with the fact that they're gonna have to be all and right it, and everybody else on that stage knows it as well people were talking oh, i mentioned yesterday maybe they come back uh, Pete, they didn't really come after him, and there's a reason for that. They they know this math. They know, th- and he's just this guy with no experience. They talked about his experience. They're dancing around it. Yep. B- but um, no one, everybody knows the money he's got and why he's got it, and why this w- guy with no experience who lost his only statewide election by like thirty points. Thirty points. Yep. Yes. Why, why yeah. is this guy not easy to pound on from all sides? They all know the answer. It is the four hundred pound gorilla in the room, and it's why I predict. Mayor Pete would be the Mayor Pete he is now. The chickens are coming home to roost. And the reason they can't confront this is the same reason they won't confront that Donald Trump didn't cause what is happening. He is neither the the solution nor the disease, okay? Or he is the symptom of what they did, what they created. See, they cynically, they cynically unleashed what, what gave birth to a candidate like Pete Buttigieg to begin with. And then just assumed we, we would have dominance with the media and the, and the narrative all of our careers, and we'll never, ever have to confront the reality that the most important base we have, black voters, just have 
negative integer interest in this. And if you think Pete Buttigieg last night talked comparing his plight as a gay man to black civil rights, if you wanted to know how low could his polling in South Carolina go, that's the but you're about to find out. Because the number one thing that absolutely offends black voters is that comparison. They freaking hate it with the heat of a thousand suns. Agreed, but no, right? one, no one took them on that stage. And and they because they have. don't know what to do. Oh, they're terrified. They don't know what to do, but I'll tell you what, uh, uh, black church voters in South Carolina know what to do with that comparison. And that dog ain't going hot. I can promise you that. All right? And so they don't know what to do. They know this guy's going to split their base. They know it. And you can see it. And the and the and the and the and the head nodding of 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 Van Jones, you can see it with the disapproving glare uh, from the Chief Obama Easter there on the stage. You can see it; they know it, but they're but but they can't quite figure out how to put him down. And it's going to be fascinating. That's tub of corn time right there. There's going to be more more ca- more liberal cable news events like that. Uh, like like that roundtable, gentlemen. Yes, and this is going to be again fascinating, fascinating to watch. But it is, it. it I mean, I, I saw this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember the name of the congressman who who was confronted with this. Actually, I think it was on CNN or MSNBC, one of those two networks about uh, Buttigieg's problem. He was a black congressman. I can't remember yes. his name. Yeah. And so yeah, they're starting to wake up to this, and what their response will be is going to be astounding. And one more thing, really, uh, I don't have time for it. I'm sorry. I'll let you get to it when we come back. All right? I promise. I'll let you finish that thought here in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll get to three non-political questions here later in this segment, but if you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain, this is pain as a result of too much inflammation in the body, relief can be just one website click away. When you go to relieffactor.com, get the three-week quick start And I'm a big fan of Relief Factor. It's a part of my daily regimen as well. And there's a lot of other products out there that would would work. But I like the way Relief Factor works. 100% drug-free, even though it's created by doctors. Four key, all-natural ingredients. We're not just prescribing more drugs here. And this isn't some kooky formula, you know, posted, you know, that's you come up by some of the granola crunching crowd. And sometimes they get things right. And then sometimes they don't No, these are actual medical medical professionals. They could be prescribing you drugs for your pain. What they want to do, though, is help the body to uh, to heal, which is is, is how it was made uh, and created in the first place. If you want to give this a shot, call their bluff. They want you to try this so bad. They're offering it to you for a dollar a day. That's it. A dollar a day. 1995 for the three-week quick start. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day except maybe, finally, hopefully the pain? Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. One last uh, postscript on, on, on Pete Buttigieg now and his performance last night. And, and, and they're struggling on the left to confront the reality that elevating him as a national candidate threatens to split their base. Um. They're hoping right now that he's going to flame out, that there's going to be more episodes like what happened where he was caught trying amateur hour race baiting in South Carolina. They're hoping he's going to do that, that at, that at some point, the fact that he's really still just from a political standpoint, he's just the mayor of a town in Podunk, Indiana. They're hoping that 
that he makes those kinds of mistakes so they can kick that can down the road and not have to confront that in this election cycle. That's their hope. And my guess is they're going to give him till probably the holidays to see if that happens. That he's not that he shows he's not ready for prime time. And so they don't have to confront this right now. But if we're sitting here, we come back here on January 6th after our Christmas vacation this year. And he is anywhere remotely where he is at in the polls on January the 6th. There's going to be some panic over there at Democrat headquarters and the CNN newsroom. But I repeat myself. Aaron, I know you had something you wanted to add. I'm going to let you do that in a second. Todd, I want to ask you, how did, this is your, this is your boy, right? And from an, from an analytical standpoint, okay, you, you've been on this all along. How did you think you performed last night as a front runner? What was your view? Uh, I think he did fine. I, there was so much, uh, as Aaron diagnosed, everybody else around him was so pat- pathetic on their own merits. Mm-hmm. And then really only tangentially uh, went after him on experience uh, things. They're kind of feeling around. Um, so I, I think he, he was he was recognized unofficially through gritted teeth as the new front runner without anybody flat out wanting to come out and say, because that's part of the thing too. They're just, they're not prepared. All these former front runners, I don't want to put down that mantle by now suddenly going crazy uh, on him. So I, there's a lot of uh, reading between the lines on this thing, but the simple fact of the matter, he, he did fine. And the, the way he wears what he did, it should be appalling what he did in the race comparison. But this is the thing with him. He manages to do he's he's just a Christian heretic. There's no but he manages to wear it in a way, but he seems like a nice guy. I mean that that's there's that's not an easy thing to pull off and it must be dealt with by everybody. I that's I dealt with it early on. I figured this out doesn't make me a genius. I just you you get a feel for the type of people who can wear a certain message that would normally make people just run away screaming. Like I'll, I'll give him a little while longer. You think Cory Booker was sitting there last night at any point and thought to himself, "Why the hell didn't I confirm some of these rumors like six months ago? <laughs> I might I might be the Democrat front runner right now." Just saying. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Just a couple of things, and they're more like reminders than anything else. Pete Buttigieg is going to be president someday, minus revival. Now, his name might not be Pete Buttigieg, yes. but the Pete Buttigieg type is going to yep. be president someday. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's, one, that's one thing as well. And then the second, second thing, our analysis over the last 35 minutes could change completely, completely tomorrow based on something that trump tweets or does in the next five minutes because the onus of this whole thing is on him as well because i don't equally as i don't i don't think there's any uh depths to which uh democrat candidates will sink uh in in their uh, word and action in order to appease their base i also don't think that there's any uh any depth to which uh, i don't think there's no filter for trump as well so it could be for the better or for worse. Our analysis could be completely changed tomorrow. I think based on I don't want to speak for you, but at least from my vantage point, completely change based on something Trump does or says. Did, did you see what how Pete Buttigieg handled the black question yesterday? Yes, he went full Steven Seagal. He's yeah. the he just said I agree with everything you just said. I and he so he basically he made it less individual. He made it like I I'm part of the white guilt problem. Yeah. I acknowledge it. I want to be a part of the healing. Yeah, it, but that won't address 
it, it, it works on that stage because, again... And the, that's all he had to do that's all for he had the to time do. being. Because, again, yes. a, a lot of black people aren't watching CNN. Exactly. That, that, the, the folks watching... or That was actually MSNBC last night, my bad, that, held, that, that hosted the debate. We're responding to the CNN mm-hmm. panel. But, but uh, there's just not a, there's not a high minority audience for those shows. Th- those shows are largely watched by uh, white progressives that already were predisposed to fall for these guilt kind of trips. All right? Um, there, there isn't a there isn't a single black church in South Carolina that, and maybe any other state, frankly, um, that 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 will play with. But that's not his problem to worry about. That's not it's it's really not. It's the party's problem to worry about that. They're the ones that that set up this dynamic. Oh, and they're worried. And, oh, I know they're worried. That's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the 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 look on Axelrod's face there. Is an oblique look, and and, that, and he's the he's the chief Obama East to David Axelrod. The look on Axelrod's face there is a complete and total oblique. What are we going to do about this? Well, do you and already because they because and this is where what Aaron said ties into this. What he said about Trump, and I said this yesterday. If you think Donald Trump is going to let them get away with not confronting this, like I said yesterday, I meant it. If, if, if you convinced, if he was on the national ticket, Buttigieg, and you convinced Donald Trump that the weight of the presidency was dropping Mike Pence and putting a black man on that on the ticket with you, like a Ben Carson or pick, yeah. just pick somebody, yes. that's going to happen in three seconds. Yes. Okay? Because that's how Trump rolls. All right? And there's, and, and there's no way, you know, like a George W. Bush type, God bless him, um, would, be, would be way too self-aware about, you know, race baiting and things of that nature. Uh, the John McCain types already think you're a racist, as does Mitt Romney. So that's why they wouldn't do it, because they think they're they're running to be the nominee of a racist party. But this guy, oh no, oh no, 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 no. The, and the fact, and here's, here's what you have to know too. The fact he's remained quiet about this the whole time so far, okay? I mean, he's not, you have to keep in mind, Donald Trump was a Democrat most of his life. He donated money to people like Al Sharpton. Do not think he is not aware of what I'm talking about. He's more aware of it than I am. He's running these circles. He is more aware of this than I am. And we have probably discussed it more openly and thoroughly than just about any other program on the air has. Okay? Because of my experience working with black churches in terms of common evangelism and political uh, causes. Um, but he's got far more experience with this kind of stuff. He's far more aware of it. There's no way he wouldn't pounce on something like this. So they got about 30 days here to hope Pete Buttigieg just shows for right now that he can't, he's not ready for prime time. He's just the mayor of South Bend and he does more dumb stuff like what he tried to do in South Carolina. That's their hope that that happens the next 30 days. If it doesn't happen before the end of the year, when things start to get real, real after the holidays and everybody goes back to work in January and we're down to the last 30 days before the Iowa caucuses, they're going to have to have a, a, come to, a come to Gaia meeting over there in the Democratic Party. And as to what you said about Trump, there is a lot of truth to it. But the one thing that insulates him, he, can't, he cannot sink lower than them because he's the president. So he has a record. He can do stuff they can't do. He can cut taxes they can't cut. 
He can spend money they can't spend. He can he can he can send unless troops it's directed in. Uh, to Ukraine or something. Yes, meaning that he has the ability to cushion his fall. That's why it's tough to be an incumbent, guys. It's it's why incumbent presidents have won seventy percent of the time in American history because they can do things to in, to endear themselves to the public that you can't do when you're on when you're outside looking in with the use of power. But but your overall assessment is true. But I think his his the level he can sink is cushioned by his ability to wield power and the fact that we know he is willing to do it, like all the bailouts to farmers he's already done and everything else we've already seen. I just love how there's no way to go about dealing with this without gigantic question begging of some level. Because I, I hate using... I could watch that clip. You yeah. could just have it on in the background. You know, in fact, you could just like randomly interrupt me today and just play that clip. Well, I'm just, I can't, I, I'm just mystified. Well, this is the most diverse generation. The two well, black people on the panel just have, just I, can't seem to figure out what's going on here. And meanwhile, the white guy who ran the black guy, the black president's political operation knows he, he, his, your thoughts betray you there, Mr. Axarod. The body language that he has, he knows what's going on here. Uh, he knows damn well what's happening right. here. And I don't like to use Joy Behar as a talisman for everything, but she was just on her show defending Buttigieg. It's like, what? How dare they say he not have a traditional marriage? He's got the most traditional. So they're going super. Joy Behar is going to the right to defend him at the very same time that school boards in Chicago are saying that the, the teenager who looks pretty gets to undress and watch girls undress in the locker room. I yep. mean, the center cannot hold on no, any level with this. No, it cannot. It cannot hold. No. And and just like the center can't hold in the Republican Party either, but we're all aware of it because we cover it in conservative media and the Democrat media covers it too. The Democrat media never covers the fact the center can't hold on their end either. All right. And they've been able to get around this for a long, long time. And one of the reasons why is Republicans simply are just not serious and or able to really compete for minority voters at this level that begged this argument. But now that the but now that the 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 progeny, their their own test, political test tube, baby, is who Pete Buttigieg is. He is he is the he is their offspring of their he he they conceived this political child. And now that he is out there. And the base that they cynically cultivated in order to get power is like, this is homina, 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 homina. Now, all of a sudden, they have to, they're gonna, they have to deal with this now, all right? They, 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 Pete, but, and Pete Buttigieg isn't going to abort himself. So it'll be very interesting to see how they get rid of this unwanted pregnancy now that it's already hatched. Let's get to three I see questions. What you did there. See what uh, did there? Right. Three non-political questions because we do need a, uh, a break from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Even though it is somewhat cathartic to see leftists in the United States um, kind of headed maybe for disaster, depending on what happens with Pete Buttigieg. Question number one: This comes from a, a guy on Twitter by the name of uh, AU Tiger eighty nine. He sent this a couple weeks ago. I thought it was pretty good. Mount Rushmore of football player names. What is it? Uh, football player names yeah. off the top of my head. Let me, I'll, I'll start just so this okay. one is number one by a long shot. I don't know if he still is at Michigan state, but he played Rocky football Lombardi. in our backyard. Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. That's like a football name from heaven. So that's number one with a bullet. Number two, Joe Montana. Yes. Perfect. It's just a yeah. perfect name. Sounds like it could be a character Keanu Reeves yeah. played in a point break movie. Yes. Like instead of Johnny Utah. Yes. Yeah. I hear indeed. you. I'm um, with Joe Montana. I'm with yeah. you on that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the three and four are total homers, but I just love these names. Dante Hall. 
and uh, Priest Holmes. I'm with, Priest Holmes is a good one. I wouldn't put it on Mount. But Dante Hall sounds like an athlete that could be on in any sport to me. To me, when I think of uh, Dick Butkus, that, now that's, it, now that's way before I, I was even born. But doesn't that, that just, Bronco Nagurski. Yes. Doesn't that just, can you just like smell a kickoff when you say that name? And like a Red Grange. So I'm going to go Red Grange, Bronco Nagurski, Dick Butkus, all players way, way before I was even born. I mean, Red Grange literally played football like 100 years ago for the University of Illinois. Um, uh, and then... Um, Bubba Smith. Bubba Smith. I, I, like, I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and I'll put Joe Montana on there because that is the quintessential quarterback name. So I'm going with Nagurski. Uh, Butkus, although Ray Nitschke's not a bad one either for a linebacker, but Butkus was probably a better player. So I'm going Butkus, Nagurski, Red Grange, and Joe Montana. Those are my four. Those are good. I want you to put one on also that's just from Lions, and it's it's a way back, not a Hall of Famer, not even a star, but who's like, for me, the Packers, like, who's your version? When I think of my start with as a Packer fan, Eddie Lee Ivory. I mean, that's just a sweet football name well, how about like dick night train lane well, if you're thinking of all-time all... lions right although dick. he's a hall of famer yes too. he's really good yeah but that's yeah. an awesome name. yeah that's an all-timer name too uh, that question was easier than i thought it was gonna be yeah okay. uh, number two if your life was a led zeppelin song what song would it be that's a great question it could be several of them. It could be the nobody's going to break. It could be nobody's fault but mine. It, there's there's been there's been plenty of times where it's been that song. Um, there's been uh, there's been some times where it's been Stairway to Heaven. Uh, there's been some times, particularly in this line of work, when it's been Communication Breakdown. For um, Christians, whole lot of love. Uh, there's been some time sure. as I get older. There's probably a little bit more of that. Sure, you know. Um, so I, I think it could be it could be several. Uh, of 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 Zeppelin songs, but those are. It's not Kashmir. Although that's my all time <laughs> favorite Zeppelin song. I've 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 not been to India, so no. Um, my, I'll I'll do mine next here. Okay. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely Kashmir because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's really really good. That's a good that's a good answer. What about you? Oh, I said yeah, a whole lot of love or when the levee breaks. It's okay. and that's kind of like a. Two-faced answer, but that's both sides of the coin. I, I could even throw in some no quarter. There's been plenty no. of times, ah. that, particularly on this on this go. show, oh. particularly go. on this show, no quarter. So, yes, uh, it could it, it could be the Zeppelin song here, no doubt. Yeah, there you go. Question number three: What's your street name, and what did you do to earn it? Uh, I got called Ace a lot when I was a, when I was a little kid, just because I think people can remember if it was Dece or Dace. And Kiss was popular you know, with hey, Ace Freely. Yeah. yeah. Ace? Yeah. So I got called Ace a lot. You sure it wasn't ass? <laughs> <laughs> that came later. That that came that came much later. You know what, man? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh uh Jean Poo. Jean Poo. Jean Poo. I had there was a there was a special ed kid in high school that just loved me and hung around with me all the time. And I got sick and I was out for a few days and, um, he, he, when I came back to school, he comes running down the hall and he really missed me. He's like, what happened? Where were you? And I, and I, I, and I decided, you know, you're a high school kid. You're kind of a, you know, and, uh, you're a little bit, uh, rougher around the edges than when you're a little older. And so I decided to have some fun at his expense. And I told him this, this was, it was actually during the first Iraq war. And I told him that I was actually, a uh, uh, 
I was on a secret mission in Iraq. And uh, my real name, my code name was, uh, was Jean Poo. And, uh, and that's where I was the last few days. And he bought it hook, line, and sinker. And like the rest of the school year called me Jean Poo. And I thought it was really funny and stuff. And then after, after I gra- graduated, you know, seniors get done early, I go back to clean up my locker. And this really attractive older woman comes up to me. And I'm thinking, wow, this is my lucky day. And she starts telling me how much she really appreciated. Uh, she goes, you're Jean Poo, aren't you? And begins to tell me about how much uh, she really appreciated that I spent time with her son and, and befriended him. He hadn't had a lot of friends and he's been mocked and stuff a lot, you know? And, and I start, I suddenly started, I went from hello, Mrs. Robinson to hello, darkness, my old friend. All right. This sounds I, like an Aaron McIntyre story yes. when he meets this old woman. No, this, this, this story is true. This story is true. I walked out of there feeling about this tall. Okay. So to penalize myself, I will give myself the street name. Jean-Poo. I can't believe we've never heard that story <laughs> yeah. before. Oh, there are several uh, stories from that era, my friend, that you have yeah. not, not heard before. Trust me. Yes. I didn't have a street. I was just Urs. That, that was me. Yeah. The only street name I've ever had was uh, in eighth grade, Big Mac, because I was very tiny. I like it. I like the Big Mac. I That's like excellent. It. All right. Some Theology Thursday coming your way next with Hour 2. Stay tuned. And greetings. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, only if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But if you like us, really go all out with the like. We would appreciate that because the more of those five-star reviews we get, the more the algorithms that now run our lives help us to find more people like you and the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living. Thank you to the thousands of you that have already left us those five-star reviews. If you've already left one, try leaving seven or eight more. I have no idea if they only cap you at one, but if not, by all means, feel free to stuff the ballot box. 888-900-3393. That is the number here to Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Part one of Theology Thursday today brought to you by Patriot Mobile, who wants you to imagine that your cell phone is a voting booth. And every single time you use it, you're voting for impeachment, open borders, gun confiscation, baby killing. It's a horrible thought, but that is essentially what you're doing when you spend your money with cell phone companies that hate everything you believe in. And just to add insult to injury, these cell phone carriers have all kinds of hidden fees, like AT&T's administrative fee that they're currently getting sued over. Now compare all those companies with Patriot Mobile, the nation's only conservative mobile phone company who is not only supporting your values and with no hidden fees, but for a limited time, giving you a free Moto Z3 when you open a new line. You heard that correct. A free Moto Z3. This offer is only valid through Cyber Monday. Uh, When you call 877-367-7524, switching is easy. 
877-367-7524. Get reliable 4G LTE nationwide service for as low as $25 a month while helping to preserve and conserve the country we all love. Go to patreonmobile.com slash blaze. You can do it that way as well. The free Moto Z3 when you open a new line at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. That's patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Let's get to Theology Thursday. And, and this week, we're, we are titling it Mere Orthodoxy. And we have used a, a phrase here, orthodoxy for several years on this show as as kind of a catch-all i mean what is as essentially the fundamentals the basic fundamentals of of christian of the christian world and life view that have been taught since the apostles well, really since christ and then the apostles two thousand years ago and these are things that uh pretty much every vestige of christianity has agreed on over the course of the last two thousand years and then pretends, or I shouldn't say pretends, and then goes out and um, and kills itself, each other, and and has great schisms over the other things. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, ma- we're gonna major in the majors here on on this show for the rest of this hour. There's there's ten of these things, and I I could have done a lot more. I decided to cap it at ten, just to at least get the conversation started. And the intention of this conversation is for those of you that are just kind of curious with what we mean by this phrase, those of you that are, are, are spiritually exploring, we get emails from you folks all of the time. And, and we've always believed we should be transparent here. We should hold ourselves to the same standard we hold everybody else. And, and we talk about how this biblical worldview orthodoxy is, is the central driving force of our show. Therefore, it only makes sense that we would articulate and, and, and defend and define exactly what that means. I want to do this, though, with a bit of a preamble. Because what you're going to see in these 10 statements is, is, is a reoccurring theme that runs counter to what you heard from Pete Buttigieg last night. If you have, and, and we're seeing this, I, I, I can't really speak, I'll let you speak for Catholicism, we are seeing this in evangelicalism. If you want to know, by the way, some of the differences between Catholicism and evangelicalism, we have done that a million times. We did whole episodes during the 500th anniversary of the Reformation on this. We just had kind of had a mini uh, update of that uh, on Reformation Day earlier this month uh, when, when we looked at the five solas and then how evangelicals approach this compared to Catholics, right? So um, we've, we've done a lot of those conversations in the past. And we won't shy away from doing them in the future either. Okay, but if if you want to know and, and why you're seeing an evangelicalism, there you're seeing this slouch towards the progressive view. And keep in mind, on our show, progressivism is not a political ideology; it is a religious belief from our belief, from our standpoint. It is the primary competition to the Christian world and life view in American and I would say Western culture today. So when we talk about progressivism, we're not talking about something as trite as the Democratic Party. The word of the Lord stands forever. It was here long before the Democratic Party arrived. It'll be here long after it's gone. We're not even really talking about, you know, the the American culture war. It was here before there was a United States of America. The word of the Lord was, and it will be here long after the United States of America is gone. 
what we're what we're saying though is in the culture we live here in America and in the West, this progressive viewpoint is seeking to supplant the biblical worldview as the dominant driving force of thought, ethics, and belief in our era. So we're not we're talking about something far bigger than even the next election. We would actually be talking about election in an eternal perspective, not, you know, ballots that we vote on. What's happened, and this has accelerated in evangelicalism with the arrival of Trump, but it predates him. And, and this is where you would have had, this is, this is where Beth Moore is now scrubbing references from her previous works to opposition to homosexuality, for example. The reason why is because there's a, there's a division here at the starting point of the belief system. What's the premise we're operating from? The progressive viewpoint believes um, if, if you claim you are a Christian and hold a progressive view, this is what you, this is the, the premise you're starting your, your worldview from. That the point of the Christian faith is to bring justice for all. Except orthodoxy says the point of the Christian faith is to offer salvation to all. And folks, that that is a cataclysmic chasm, sized chasm of difference dramatic difference that is not to say that those of us who believe the point of the christian faith is to offer salvation to all do not believe christianity is also to fight for justice that's why we built the orphanages that's why most of the hospitals you still attend like the one aaron's fiance works at is called lutheran that's why you still go to saint blank hospitals or mercy hospitals but it but the reason that we need, as, a, as the, the, the orthodoxy says, the reason Christianity needs to extend this form of justice is because of the injustice of our own sin that we have unleashed on this creation and we unleash upon ourselves and one another. And that these, these institutions of justice do not make us whole. They don't cause us to overcome our sin. We cannot. That's why we need Christ. But they're basically to be a bridge of what we used to in theological circles call common grace. They're, they're, a, they're a bridge for this fallen world because God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. We are to, make our, we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Master, who is my neighbor? Even the Samaritan, everyone is your neighbor. And so we extend justice in these areas not as a replacement for calling people to repentance but to demonstrate that we ourselves answered the call to repentance and to show the world what it looks like if you follow as we do like paul says follow me as i follow christ it is not a replacement for repentance it is the result of our repentance. We love because he first loved us. 
The progressive view rejects everything that I just said and says that justice is the ultimate is the ultimate end game. If you call yourself a progressive and you claim you're a Christian, you're saying that you believe justice is the ultimate end game. And that even people who don't repent of their sins, like Pete Buttigieg, for example, as long as they're practicing justice, it's not a requirement that they repent of their sins. And we might even go so far as to say, because you're, pra- because you're seeking justice for all, you're not a sinner at all. Well, now you're saying that you earn your salvation. If you even believe human beings need to be, need to have salvation at all. That's the difference. So if you have, if you have teachers you used to respect and you're wondering what's happened here, if you have friends or family members and you see them begin to fall for these canards, and we've seen an acceleration of this in evangelicalism in the Trump era, well, you know, he's a white supremacist and he's a racist and he's a xenophobe. And we don't want people thinking that's what the church is. Well, first of all, congratulations. You've already amended the Bible. Upon this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church and only the election of Donald Trump will prevail against it. Is that what it said? No. No. So you actually think higher of Donald Trump than he thinks of himself. Yep. I didn't think that was possible, but it's almost time for our annual viewing of Elf for Christmas movie night. So let me quote from it. You did it. You did it. You actually had a, you found, you actually have a more inflated view of Donald Trump than he does. You just described like all of political America right now, pretty much. Pretty much. Besides Orange Man Van versus Cheeto Jesus Saves, yes. And so there's a lot of good people right now. I know some of these people. Some of them are friends and family members of mine. Some of them are, are teachers I used to have on this show or we, I used to listen to their podcasts. There is a lot of people right now within, within orthodoxy who are abandoning it because of this freak out of the political polarization in America. Ultimately, you worship what you react the most to. And if you are reacting to the spirit of the age, that's really what you worship. And if you're one of my friends or family members listening to this right now, I still love you. But maybe the reason you haven't asked me about this is because you know I will tell you this right to your face. And that's why you haven't asked me about it. Because you know, this is what I'm going to say to you. Doesn't mean we don't read the signs of the times. We have practiced plenty of sensitivity along these lines. We're not ignorant of this. We're not saying this is not a legitimate fear. How many times have we done the shows, Aaron, for example, what is, what's the messages we're sending to millennials in, uh, within the church about our political sellouts, right? Yes. Yes. But are we changing the fundamentals of the Christian faith in order to accommodate this discussion? No, we're upholding them. We're upholding them. And in, in the most literal way I could ever say, hell no, we won't do that. Because that's what hell wants you to do. We're not, we're not going to change. We will accommodate as best we can. 
but we are not changing the fundamentals for you. When my oldest daughter decided after graduation she wanted to go through a rebellious period, I looked my little princess in the eye and said, I will accommodate you as much as I can as my princess, but I'm not changing anything I believe for you and you know better than to try. Because the same convictions that caused me to be the daddy you love and adore are the same convictions that I'm not going to change for you. They, they gave you the daddy that you liked so much growing up. You're not going to challenge those. You're not going to change my mind on those. So don't try. Short of that, I'll accommodate you as much as I possibly can because you're still my princess. But you're not the king. And what you're going to see as we go through these 10 principles is this is where the line of demarcation is. Is the, is the end game of the Christian faith justice for all or offering salvation to all? On this show, we believe it is salvation. And we need salvation because of the injustices we all do, have done, and will continue to do until Jesus returns. Before we get to these 10 principles, you gentlemen want to add anything or comment on that at all? No, I'm ready to go. Same. Okay. Principle number one. We are created beings personally made in the image of a personal God who is the only one true God. Therefore, we are not accidents or random acts of natural processes. I'll just go through these since I worded them. I'll go through these one by one. Gentlemen, you may give your thoughts, questions, comments, or insults with each one. Well, immediately, and I'm not sure if you thought about this, uh, thought about this in, in the formulation of this one, um, um, this, this particular um, uh, rundown, spot on the rundown, but this flies in the fl- face of the premise that we were created for the earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are created beings. And that flies in the face, again, of... Uh, that we're just part of an ecosystem um, that we have to serve. And Senator Mazi Hirono uh, yep. treat uh, climate change as if it's a religion, not a, as a science. That, that works from the premise that we were created yep. for Mother Earth, not the other way around. We are the highest... We are the highest being and matter in all of the creation. Human beings made in the image of God. We're more important than the planet. We're more important than the animals. We're more important than the plants. We're more important than all of it. We are. Because none of those other things have souls and are made in the image of God. Only we are. Yes, and there's a reason, again, this is a a modern or a a kind of a current day application of of what this this, uh, piece of orthodoxy is saying. Uh, But there's a reason. There's a reason why last hour you said Democrats are praying to Gaia. Mm-hmm. Okay, these things have been. I mean, this, an Earth, a pagan I, Earth goddess. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I was going. Yeah. For. See the son of the, see the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. These things were created for us. We were not created for them. Adam and Eve are created and then told, "I, you are my vicars." You are my foreman, 
You're in charge. My proxy's here. This earth is yours. Subdue it. Go and multiply. It was made for you. You have anything to add? You're ready oh, to go on. Well, I, the, we often behave as we're part of this this team, this tribe. I I see this within Catholicism where there's a certain cheerleader-esque sense of belonging to it. But we we that helps us to forget uh, and help is not i'm not using that in any good way the the primacy of this point and what steve is talking about here is uh, my uh two oldest daughters my wife and i are watching the uh television show lost and what when the veil comes away from your eyes like it did in jack all reason and science and he you you see how hard it is for him to give that up but once you do the the whole map of the cosmos opens up for mm-hmm. you, and suddenly you 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 are you are Peter, a, a fisherman who now is speaking in tongues because the, uh, the grace of heaven is in you. I, I this I'm not being hyperbolic. This is what Steve is pointing to. Once you get, I'm a created being, and I am not my own roadmap. The roadmap comes from something else. It yes. everything you you are talking with pig Latin versus the actual latin and i that that's grotesque in trying to describe what i'm talking about totally different languages totally different realities yes everything the scales fall from your eyes yes point number two the heavens declare the glory of god and the skies declare the work of his hands that means the earth and the universe are also the handiwork of that one true personal god the matter that surrounds us is also created and not the result of random acts of natural processes. Yes. I mean, that go, go ahead, Todd. Well, I mean, that goes along with, with what Todd with, was with what just, you just asked me about and what yes. Todd just said. Yeah. And, and this is where people on the conservative side of the spectrum, Christians in general, they've really, really dropped the ball and, and, and allowed a scam like environmentalism, cl- global warming to come in and take the hearts of people because we were created uh, not to worship the earth, but to be stewards of it because it is a great handiwork of God. And we are obligated. We cannot just be uh, low marginal tax rates and small government and all that stuff and let the tree huggers have the... No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. We are supposed to have a love affair with God's great creation and the earth is among them. What's the root word of conservation? Conserve. What's the root word of conservative? Conserve. Conserve. That answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. So, But that's the difference. That's why I pointed out uh, when we had a conversation with the young man from PragerU the other day. If you really care about e- you know, carbon emissions, you're protesting China, not the United States, because mm-hmm. ours are dramatically lower and we have done more to lower them than any country on this earth in the last 25 years. Yet they never go there to protest them. They only protest us or other Western capitalistic democracies because it isn't about conservation. Nope. It's anti-capitalism. That's what it is. That's the difference. That's how you know the difference, right? Yeah. Point number three, unfortunately, because of the fall, sin was brought into the world, and thus each of us is also born into sin. Our basic instinct, therefore, is to rebel against God and go our own way. And by the fall, I mean Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter three of the Bible. Since we are all descended from them, 
We all have a common ancestry. We all, since we all have a common ancestry, we inherited their sin. We're born into that sin ourselves. This is why you never had to be taught how to say the word no or mine, and you didn't have to teach any of your own children those words either. This is why you don't have to be taught to be selfish, and, and, and you don't have to teach your children that either. Okay, this is our basic instinct. It is our nature. When you hear us use the phrase, usually in a joking manner around the show, total depravity, this is what this is. This is fundamentally not totally, but fundamentally what we are referring to that we we cannot do and be altruistic beings on our own because it, it violates our own making. And this is a, this is a massive difference between progressivism which does not believe human human beings are 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 not basically good. My friend Ben Bruns who was here several several months ago, all right, who I've done sports work for many many years with and 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 followed, he has a, he considers himself a progressive Christian. When he, I let him come in that day and ask me any question he wanted to, what was his final conclusion? The real difference between you and me, really the fundamental difference is you don't believe human beings are basically good. No, I don't. I think human beings have inherent worth because of the first two things we said. Okay? But and that inherent worth comes from the fact we are made in the image of God. We have rebelled against the God in whose image we have made, or we were made. And therefore, we now have fallen into sin. Our brains are busted. This is why you want, this is why you ever driven down the road and just, and, and, or it just, you were out jogging, walking the kids, and you just had thoughts come into your head that were just completely and totally wicked and evil. You're like, why would I even think stuff like that? Why would I even contemplate this? This is why, okay? We cannot fix ourselves, gentlemen. Yes, and this is the beginning of the beginning of God's great work of redemption, though, because how can you be redeemed if you don't need redemption? How can you be redeemed from your wickedness if you're not wickedness, if, if you're not wicked in the first place? That's the flip side of this, because this seems to most progressive, this seems really mean and really unpleasant and really uh, unchristian to say that we are all, our, our base instinct is against God, but this is the beginning of God's unlimited and unmerited grace in our lives, and I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, so I don't want to spoil that too much, but that's the beginning of the beginning of God's redemptive work, is understanding that our basic posture, if we are left to our own devices amongst ourselves without God's law, we are not going to be better off in the long run. We're going to be dead. We'll be in hell without God's Why? Why do you work. struggle with contentment? Why, why are so many celebrities who have it all, everything that they're at the pinnacle, they're at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and yet why are they littering your grocery store aisle your entire life with their tragedies? Why are they still checking into the Betty Ford Clinic for the fifth time? How come Brad Pitt wasn't satisfied being married first uh, to, to Rachel from Friends and then Angelina Jolie? When you when so many other guys like, boy, if my wife looked like that, I'd never cheat on her or I'd never do this or think that. Yeah, you would. Yes, you would. Because we cannot satisfy ourselves, we cannot content one another because, Todd, of this basic instinct that lives within us. Well, and my oldest daughter and I were talking about this last night, uh, and I mentioned it last Friday about an issue she had with some friends, both Catholics, uh, but, but she said, our relationship has changed because, the, she said, the, the scam is kind of over, and I said, that's so important, and I said, she, they, they, you got to remind them, in love, that they are broken, 
And that's the way to healing. Christianity does not make sense unless you understand you're broken. And it's it and it's not just about whether or not you believe you're good or not. This is another lost issue, but you also can't believe that you're a tabula rasa. Mm-hmm. You that that doesn't work either, that you are just a blank slate. Right. You are to some extent, but not at the most fundamental level. And then level. you choose whether to use the light or dark Correct. side of the force. Correct. Yes. Yeah, this is this is why I don't believe there's any such thing as a quote unquote gay Christian. Nor is there any other such thing as an adulterous Christian. No. Or a white Christian. Yeah, you're white or anything else. Any identity other than Christ, by the way, the Christian is to reject. More than anything else, the identity of your previous sin or your old life. There is now neither male nor female, slave nor free. And I don't mean that in a amorphous, genderless way. But the things that you used to use to identify yourself or define meaning to find contentment that you could never achieve. Those things are now all gone. The things you used to use to satisfy yourself, to fill the holes in your heart, those things are now supposed to all be gone. We don't affirm people in their sin. We call them out of sin as we were called out of ours. All right, this leads to the fourth point here this morning, or I guess now this afternoon. This fallen nature we just spoke of has unleashed all the evil we see on this earth and we are incapable on our own of overcoming our basic instinct and fallen nature. Therefore, we are not progressing to some utopia on earth because we cannot. It's not we don't have the will. We can't do it. We are not capable. In our sin, we can only regress, which is why you're currently seeing a surge of old-style paganism the more secular we become from the very people claiming to be progressives. Right? We don't know what a gender is. Even we don't know what a bathroom is. Even even North Korea has men's and women's bathrooms. Okay? Why why are we why are we going back and having arguments humankind settled long before Alexander Graham Bell said, Watson, come here, I need you. Long before Al Gore invented the internet. Long before Edison finally figured out the light bulb. Long before we laid railroad tracks. Long before we had indoor plumbing. Why? Why are we going back to things? Long, long, long before we had almost anything, these things were settled. Back when the number one cause of death for women in the world was childbirth. The average lifespan was 35. Why are we going back to these things? Because we cannot progress. We can only regress. Macro as a species. We can, we can small p progress. We can learn how this planet works. We can learn its fundamentals. We can learn its natural laws. More of them as time goes on. But big P progress, we cannot progress. We can only regress apart from God, which is why the very people right now claiming to be the most progressive are really just going back and introducing the old paganism that Western civilization left behind 800 to 1,000 years ago. That's why. More of this to come here. Mere Orthodoxy on Theology Thursday, part two. Next, stay tuned. Do you remember when cash was king? Like you'd go do a major purchase like a car and like you could get a far better deal at a car lot if you're going to pay cash than if you're going to finance it. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days? Aaron would not. You and I remember that. Oh, days when we were kids, What's right? cash? Exactly. All right. <laughs> why, why is cash no longer king? 
Well, that's not an accident. And that's why you want to get this uh, new report from our friends over at Swiss America called The Secret War on Cash. It's their brand new white paper. It's a shocking report that'll teach you and show you that banks are now required to spy on you and I for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious and unusual. Let me ask you a question. Would you like the likes of Elizabeth Warren or Adam Schiff deciding for you and for your bank which of your transactions are, quote, suspicious or, quote, unusual? Give you a warm fuzzy? No? Well, that's the point because it's always, with progressives, what is it always about? Power and control. And that's what the diminishing of cash is about as well. All right, so if you want to get this new report, go to SwissAmerica.com. Get The Secret War on Cash at SwissAmerica.com or give them a call right now. 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com. Let's go back to mere orthodoxy here on Theology Thursday, laying out kind of our shared agreement on the show of what what, is, what really is the, the fundamental orthodoxy that unites us as Christians that we uh, practice and deploy in our own worldviews that we articulate here on the program? Todd, you wanted to talk about the last one. Well, when you that first sentence, this fallen nature has unleashed all the evil we've seen in the earth. That brings to mind instantly that what is undoubtedly one of the most poetic lines in all of of scripture oh, chesterton's letter well no all, all of scripture all creation groans oh, i yes. mean it is just it is beautiful but part of the problem as a as a you 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 think it's just rhetoric it, it it's not it is it is undeniably beautiful but it is true at a f- scientific level it it it, it in the most important sense of the term. It is not just meant to uh, make you kind of feel a certain way. It is a diagnostic for what is going on. And once again, once you get that internally, once it's, you, it's, it's, you see the world in a different way. And I think, unfortunately, rhetoric is flower. It's emotional. And that's the big problem we have. We're too, we, we are too emotional. Sure. We've put emotional in an improper place. It's out of balance. You know, so the, when I mentioned the Chesterton thing, this is a famous line from G.K. Chesterton. He was asked along with um, uh, Bertrand Russell and others for the London Daily Mirror like a hundred, over 100 years ago, what's wrong with the world today? And he and, and you were, they wanted essays from like all these great thinkers. And, and he wrote back... Um, one word, a one word answer. Me. Yeah. That's what he, this is what he was referring to is what we're talking about here. This is why there's no perpetual kingdoms. This is why there's no perpetual institutions. This is why families have dysfunctions that go on for generations. And then families that seem fine for generations will suddenly disintegrate with dysfunction. Everything we touch will eventually go bad on our own. It's unavoidable because on our own we're bad. Let me repeat that. Everything we touch on our own will eventually go bad because on our own, we're bad. It's not some creation groans. It's not your creation groans. Yes. Oh, yes. This is when I've talked to you folks before that in my life, I tried virtually every major worldview on the earth. And the only one, I didn't like the answers in, in, in every case, but the only one that could sufficiently answer for me, why is the world the way that it is? Why are we the way that we are? 
and what can be done about it. When, I, when I've told you before that a biblical worldview is the only worldview that can satisfactorily answer all three of those questions all human beings have, it's the conversation we're having right now is why. You're describing Augustine as well. Yes. He danced with everything possible before he finally can. And is, then when he was there, Lord, make me chase, yes. but not yet. Yeah, this is, this is why your progressive friends will not respond to uh, your, your points about how the food stamp program isn't really helping that many people. It's a boondoggle. It goes bankrupt, and it's rife with waste, fraud, and abuse. And they'll just double and triple down. This is their religion. For them to accept that we can't stamp out hunger completely means that we cannot progress to a utopia. If we cannot progress to a utopia, then I really am not much of a progressive at that point. If I don't believe we can progress, because what's the root word? We did this with conservative already. What's the root word of progressive, Aaron? Progress. So if we cannot progress, what, what then happens to the word progressive? Kind of loses its meaning. Yeah, it's toast at that point. This is where the rubber meets the road for all of these debates, all of them. This is their convergence point right here. Let's get to point number five. This sinful nature has most of all eternally separated us from God because he is holy. He cannot inhabit a space of evil with us. He's set apart from that. This eternal separation we caused that, this, that risks sending each and every one of us to hell, which we deserve because we caused it. We caused it to happen. People say, why did God cause this? He didn't. You did. You and I did it. Well, why did God allow this to happen? So you want, make up your mind. Do you want God in control or not? You wanted control. Like Augustine, you prayed, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. You have received your reward in full. Why are you complaining? You got what you asked for. Because the wages, that, that word is so key. It's so key. I really think this, the, the word, the wages of sin is death in this verse is one of the most important spe specified phrases in all of the Bible. Because ultimately, what is a wage? Something you earned. You earned it. When my worldview students come to me and say, why did you give me this grade? I didn't give you any grade. Did I take your test? Did I write your essay? Whose name is on this? Yours. Therefore, who took the test? You. Who, did, who gave the answers? You. Who wrote these words? You. You earned it. You earned this. I didn't give you anything. I didn't do this. You did it. You earned this. The sad story of Hunter Biden that's in the news today, he earned this. He made these choices. I had a friend of mine that I worked with in the last political campaign has wrecked his life. He made those choices. I've darn near done the same thing in my own life. I can't count how many times over the years. And, and, and all because of choices who made. Was I a victim or did I make these choices? I made these choices. The wages of sin, what I earned, what you earned, what we all earned, we earned this. We did the work. And the worker is worth his hire. We earned this. We caused it. Any further commentary before we move I would on? Just tie this to the last one. The, it, the, so we aren't more advanced 
today in any fundamental way than all the people become before us. But if we, to start off where we started, the reason we're doing this, if we believe in notions of progressivism, we will have a hard time swallowing yes. this yep. because we will think, well, we're not, we're, we're not them. We're not that. Right. We've moved on. And so the, the comforts, the genuine comforts of advancement, we talk about these in isolation sometimes of technology and things like that. And you've already mentioned them on this show. Nice to have in no way fundamental to bettering us at any level. I mean, we're going back, we're having debates over polygamy, guys. In, in, in two centuries ago, in the, eight, in the 19th century, as we, as, as we moved further west, states that would not ban polygamy, we wouldn't admit them to the union, okay? They couldn't, be, they couldn't join the United States of America unless they banned it. And now we're, we're having this exact same argument yes. again because of progressivism. It's not a progressive-ism. It's a regression to the mean. And we're the mean. We are. Our nature is the mean. Number six. But thankfully, our personal God offers us a salvation we do not deserve. Grace. Through faith in the atoning sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God, who is God incarnate, meaning he is God. He is God. He is Emmanuel. That's why we sing this song. What does that mean? We're to be singing that song, hearing it a lot. O come, O come, Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. God is here. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Why? Because God is with us. That's why. Aaron, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, this is tying this back into the last point as well. The only thing in life that we ever deserve is hell. That is the only thing that we deserve because it is our fault. We caused that. That is the wages that you were talking about as well. And the only way in order to be right with God is unmerited, unmerited grace. If we caused us deserving hell, the temptation is to think, and we always want this as well, the temptation is to think there's some way we can earn this back as well. We can't because we are fallen now. Mm-hmm. That is our fallen nature. The only way to, uh, to, to come back and have union with our maker is through unmerited grace through salvation and, and, uh, and salvation through Jesus Christ as well. So again, kind of tying those last two together. The, the word that you must understand is is, is personal. Yes. It, it, this is God is relationship. He did this for you. Yes, for you, but not even, for us, not for us, for you and for me. He did it for each and every one of us specifically, yes. not some autonomous demographic of humans. Right. He did it for. Steve and for Todd and for Aaron and for whatever your name is that's watching and listening to us right now so that you could be known by him and know him, you yourself. So don't deal in constructs. That's an important thing yes. you often talk about. Deal with people. And that's why, by the way, we have we in our form of government, we we ha- we believe in individual liberty, individual rights that come from God, not civil rights or group rights. We don't believe in that. Right? We believe, well, we do now, but when we actually knew what we were doing, we understood that since God created each of us individually, he calls each of us to salvation individually. Therefore, each of us is granted our rights by God individually. 
individually. Number seven, by being conceived of the Holy Spirit of God and born of a virgin, Christ escaped the sinful nature all other humans are born into. This permitted Christ to be the spotless lamb sacrificed for our sins on our behalf. That's what it means when they, when the Bible says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. All right. He is the fulfillment of the law that you read about in the Old Testament. The sacrifice of a lamb who would symbolically pay for the sins of the people. Until the Messiah arrives, who will literally pay for the sins of the people. And Christians believe that Messiah is Jesus Christ. Any thoughts on that? I just to read further on that, you can't do better than we're talking about mere orthodoxy, mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis, when he talks about the need for the perfect penitent, how can you, the need for the God man, how can, who can bear the weight of sin? No man. So it takes something superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, but who, how can, you know, it's, it's meaning that it, the Holy Spirit of God yes. went into a teenage virgin named yes. Mary, conceived a child. So it would not be from the seed of a sinful man right. into this, into the womb of a woman right. who herself was born in to sin as a human being that's what this means but but god by definition doesn't need forgiveness so that's yes. why we need the god man yes. and the whole of the old testament is pointing to this as well i mean in after the fall the lamb's blood god, painted on yes, the door exactly. at, at, at passover after yes. the fall god provides adam and eve with yep. skins what does that mean something had to die in order to cover for their for their sinfulness uh you know in job job talks about if only there were a mediator between me right. and 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 god this is pointed to over and over and foreshadowed over and over the sacrifices they had to keep making sacrifices because even their best animals brought to the temple were not good enough so that's why they had to keep the spotless perfect sacrifice is the again perfect finished sacrifice Let me share these final three together, and then I'll let you guys close out with comments, okay? Number eight, thus, since Christ alone was holy enough to satisfy the justifiable wrath of God. Why is it justifiable? Because we ruined his creation. We, he created us, gave it to us, and then we went out and unleashed hell on it. That's why his wrath is justifiable. Just as when you buy your children a car, and then they come home and wreck it the very first night that you gave it to them, is your wrath justifiable? You better believe it is. Same as God's wrath was justifiable here. There is no other way for us to atone for our sins and escape the eternal penalty we deserve other than Christ's atonement on our behalf at the cross. No other, no other way to pay off your debt because God already paid it for you. To then ask and go back and say, God, I've got a better system after he sacrificed his own son on your behalf is an act of an ingrate, frankly. Number nine. Christ then demonstrated he was even more than our substitutionary atonement by physically rising from the dead on the third day. He then ascended into heaven where he is ruling over God's creation as we speak, and he will return one day to conduct a final judgment on mankind and bring the kingdom of God fully into existence. It exists now, but not fully. It exists now, but not fully. Similarly, Was Michael Jordan a basketball player when he got cut from his team in the ninth grade? Was he a basketball player then? Yes. Was he fully Michael Jordan yet? No. No. That's what I mean by that. Is that a good analogy? Sure. Okay. And then number 10. Satan is a real physical being that tempts us to indulge our sinful natures and continue rebelling against God. Notice I didn't say causing. Did I use that word? 
No. I said, tempting. Okay? He tempts us to do what our sinful natures really want, but it doesn't cause us. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it because you wanted to. He just presented you the option. He hates us because he hates God, who loves us more than anything else in his creation. Notice the symmetry here, because that brings us right back to the very first point that we started with. You are created personally and made in the image of a personal God. Satan hates that God. That's why he hates you. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, it was... Uh... I was watching uh, some Jim Gaffigan yesterday. I know that's one of Todd's favorite comedians, I think. Very funny, yes. Um, and he was telling, uh, he was doing this bit about how preschool and the bar scene are essentially the same. You've got a bunch <laughs> of people, depending on their, you know, on their feelings at the time, doing really uh, strange things, either crying or being really, really rowdy, lots of people yelling. And when you go to the bathroom, uh, it's obvious nobody has been potty trained. You've you've made comments about uh, Washington D.C. It's just high school with a, a with bunch a lot of, of other people's with money. A lot of other people's money as yeah. well. We have a tendency to do things like this, and at the heart of the rejection of orthodoxy, it's not orthodoxy as if it is uh, God's word bestowed upon Steve's fingers and into his computer. No, all of what we just read, which really this is just a doctrinal statement. All of what we just did, uh, all of what we just read, is born out of and is directly uh, derived from God's word. Rejection of that, it's like high school with other people's money. It's like uh, preschool for grown-ups. Rejection of that is one reason and one reason only. The heart of it is I wanna. That's that's what rejection of orthodoxy. At its heart is I wanna, and again this is this is um, and and we reject orthodoxy every day. And I'll, I'll let I need to get to, to Todd, but we reject orthodoxy anytime we sin, lest we think anybody of us is 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 better than the other. Uh, nine is so important here. Point nine, uh, God is love. We talk about that, but love is so easy to flowerly emotionally bend out of context. Number nine, the science of this all, a man rose from a tomb, was dead, is alive. That must be recognized. And 10, this is why I love uh, Catholic baptism so much. Uh, you know, as, as far off the reservations you may get sometimes, you, uh, do you reject Satan? That's the question they ask you. We're getting down to fundamentals there. Mm. Amen. Satan is real. Well, I hope this guy, this gave you guys that uh, watch and listen to our show kind of a blueprint of what it is that's really the core motivations for why we do the way we do it, this program each and every day. Thanks for being a part of it. We're going to stick around and tape some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.